0: Hi, welcome to Crafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host Stephanie Pavlantos. Today I have Martin Johnson. Martin is a writer. He's a screenwriter as well. He's been an award-winning writer for his articles on pathos. Pathos is a website that has actually a lot of different articles about different religions around the world. He writes on Christianity. Um, and his portion, his—I guess you might say—his um, the title of his column is called "Walk Humbly." But he is a, both a speaker and an advocate for Brain Injury Association of America. He is a brain injury survivor, and I'll let him tell you as much as he wants about that. But he also describes himself as a seeker. Um, I guess more before. Maybe before this accident, before this time in your life, you considered yourself a seeker in which you sought out a lot of different religions to um to explore and to find the meaning i guess meaning of life as they say, but welcome, Martin. I appreciate you being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: you want to explain either or you can start wherever you'd like to to talk a little bit more about yourself so
1: Yeah, a little bit about me. I I actually grew up in the church, was a pretty traditional Christian. And then, of course, when I went to college, like so many people, the world tempted me and I left the faith altogether, didn't go to church. My only spiritual connection was through different faiths. You know, in college, I experienced Hinduism, I dabbled in Judaism. Catholicism, little Islam, but more more Hinduism, Judaism, and Catholicism. Those were the faiths that mm-hmm. I sought out during college up until the point where I hit the proverbial rock bottom and cried out to God because I'd realized I had walked away from God. Mm-hmm. I was drinking. I was smoking. I was being promiscuous, I was dabbling in drugs. So I knew that I wasn't being true to or faithful to God. So one night I just had one of those get down on the knees and I was actually drunk that night. I still Mm -hmm. remember it. I just begged God to help me and to reveal himself to me. And it took about three months later when I was in a car accident And I actually flatlined after the accident Mm -hmm. because I had 15 mini strokes, which killed the right side of the front part of my brain. So once they got me back, they did brain surgery and cut that part of the brain out. Wow. Which medically, I was supposed to never be able to walk again, talk again. So wow. once God gave me the abilities back that, I wasn't supposed to have. I just entered into a covenant with God. I said, God, you help me walk again. You help me live again. I'll never drink again. I'll never do drugs again. I won't smoke again. And I'll remain celibate so till until I got married. So I entered into that covenant with God. And that began my spiritual reemergence into Christianity.
0: Mm. Wow. That's a great story though. I mean, I think that, you know, even when I, when I think about my own family, my own, my father, um, you know, from things I've found out about my dad, he was a gambler. He was, you know, gambling away the house payments. My mom was, was having problems. We had a big family. He had a stroke and a major stroke. And that stroke changed the whole course of his life. Not only did he come back to God, he, I mean, I was very young, so I was only six, but it, it was that rock bottom kind of event that caused him that he, he had to look up. He knew his only life giver was Jesus and he had to look up and look to him. And it, it did, it changed my dad's life completely, um, He was a very humble man and he was very, um, godly man, you know? And so, so I can relate to your story on that level because I, you know, just from what I know about my own dad being, um, and I, and a lot of his past, I, I don't remember, like I said, I was six when he had the stroke. So I was still very young and I didn't know anything about him until I got older. So, um, but that's an amazing story. You start out a lot of your articles, in walk humbly with a current event story or even something that's going on politically. And then you, you bring it all down and back around to the words of Jesus or, or, um a character, even a character trait of God. Um, you talk about heaven and hell you talk about, I guess, even, you know, righteousness and, and charity doing good deeds, obeying the commandments um you talk about a lot of things in your column that maybe some things that don't even get talked about in the church and you you have a way of bringing it all back to you you bring in hebrew words and you explain them and what they mean and and so um you want to talk a little bit about some of your column or not your column but some of your articles within that column
1: yeah, it's interesting how it came up because, like I said, when I was a seeker, I was dabbling in Judaism. Actually, it was more my spiritual seeking was basically whatever faith that of a woman who I was interested in dating or seeing at the time, I kind of went to church with them or synagogue with them, and at the time, there was a Polish community where I live, and there was a young woman who was a Jewish. I just I don't want to say, um, she was Jewish, had Jewish beliefs, but she was kind of trying to straddle the fence between her Jewish faith and living in America, mm. you know, and her name was Adriana. So when I went to any spiritual event, it was with a woman, I was dating a out at the time. So that was my introduction into Judaism. Okay. And then after my accident, so I'm involved with the promise keepers men's ministry mm-hmm. and some of my brothers and promise keepers suggested I read some books that dealt with looking at Christianity through the, the Jewish lens. And once I started reading them, it just blew my mind away. I could understand better what Jesus was saying to his followers in the early church and why he said that. Even why he confronted the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time, who should have known what Jesus was saying. Right. And it's just my background. We look at Jesus as God and as our Lord Savior, but we have to understand in His day Jesus was basic at the very basic a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher. His role was to make disciples. His role was to teach his followers the ways of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we start looking at Jesus as a you know, I, I'm not saying I look at him as my rabbi, but I look at him as somebody who's going to teach me mm-hmm. the ways of God.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I've even heard, you know, people there's nothing wrong because with identifying him as your rabbi, because the the cool thing was disciples were known by their rabbi. Mm-hmm. So if a disciple taught a certain way or lived a certain way, they were recognized. By, oh, you follow so-and-so because this is what he does. So they were known by their rabbi. And I think that's the way we should be known as well. We're known by our rabbi.
1: And if, if you remember, when the Pharisees often confronted Jesus, they confronted him about what his disciples were doing. Yes. But why do your disciples do this? Why do your disciples do that? Because... That's not the Jewish way. That's not our tradition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and Jesus would teach them. He's like, look, you can stick to your traditions of men. He's like, but I'm teaching them the way. And Jesus said, he is the way. Mm-hmm. Now, to the early church, to the Jewish people at the time, they went, when Jesus said he is the way, they would understand he, what he meant, it that he is the path, the way of God, the path of righteousness. Now, for us, the 21st century church, we just think that he's the way to heaven, which he is, but it's more of how is he the way?
0: Mm, that's By
1: a good doing point. what the rabbi said.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. That's a good dis- distinction because you're right. We think it's he's the way to heaven, but he's the way to righteousness. He's the way to, to peace with God. He's the way to all things of god he's the way to a changed life he's the way and the straight and narrow path i mean you're right he's more than just the way to heaven so you use words like yashar which means straight or right it's a it's a path and that's what you were describing he is that path he you were you were describing of course, right can mean white, right winged, you know, it can mean right as versus wrong, right versus left. So there's like the way the straight and narrow way that we follow is the right way. And it's the, it's not the easiest way. It's the, the narrow way. Um yes. And that's why there's so much also about a path, right. In, in scripture. It's
1: one of the, Yeshar is like my favorite Hebrew word. It's, there, I have a couple of them, but Yeshar is like my favorite because you know in Judaism when when the psalmist says, you know, he, he makes my path straight, you know, the word they talk about Yeshar. Mm-hmm. Now the jewish people would understand you know that he's not saying necessarily a straight line you know you remember their Exodus wasn't a straight line it should have been but it was a perfect and right path right so what the psalmist is really is really saying he makes our ways right and perfect but not necessarily straight and easy
0: yeah and not necessarily a to z exactly So we're going to have a lot happen
1: between Exodus and reaching the Promised Land. You know, a lot happens when God when we follow God's way, do things God's way. That's just learning. These Hebrew words has helped me grow so much spiritually, and a lot of um, my research comes from. I'm going to share with you one of my research is this is my number one resource when I'm writing is every man's time and he go he actually has like in here caught like topical subjects like the moral life the social life the afterlife all from a Jewish perspective mm-hmm well the, well, the Talmud talks about these ta- these subjects. And if you really read what, what, what the Talmud says, it's exactly what Jesus is saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but with a little bit more depth and history to it.
0: Something that I, and I'm, yeah, and I'm going to put that book in the show notes as well, because I think it's a great resource. Um, but something you bring up, We talked a little bit about Exodus and the the wilderness and um, when God, I don't know why I was kind of slow in learning this at first, but you know, in Exodus 19, we see everyone come to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and there is when God speaks and it's there that he establishes this covenant, like you were talking about a covenant of blessings and curses and a covenant of staying faithful. He's the bridegroom, staying faithful to him, staying faithful to him as their king. Um, and the, you see, you see bridegroom and bride relationship. You see king and vassal relationships between God and His people. There are all these different, but they're all really one type of covenant, like you mentioned, being in covenant. Um, that is where we we really start to understand what covenant means at Mount Sinai. Um, Jesus explains it in what we call the New Testament, or um, some people might call New Covenant. I've always just called it the Renewed Covenant because he doesn't say anything that isn't already in the Torah. He doesn't say anything that's not already there. He doesn't add or take away from it, in my opinion. But when he first spoke to them there at Mount Sinai in, in Exodus 19, it was what we might call the Oral Torah, He gave them everything, all the laws, orally. He spoke to them and spoke each one and what they were to do and what they were not to do in order to be in covenant with him. And I think we have to look at covenant not as a list of rules because in marriage it's also a covenant. Mm -hmm. We talk about in sickness and in health. We We talk about being faithful to them until death. Um, to our, to our spouse, you know, it's the same way. The Lord expects us to be faithful to him until we die. It's not having any other gods before him. No other, no other king, no other deity other than him. I mean, it's all about this marriage covenant, but there's, there's curses and there's blessings for following that even in marriage divorce is very painful. So so I guess when I think about these things and, and the covenant which you spoke of and even that Talmud, we think of the Talmud as the oral law. And but that is the way that the Lord spoke in the beginning. And then we see verses where Moses started writing it all down. And then we see in thirty two, Exodus thirty two, that he has the um the tablets in which the Ten Commandments were wrote written on. So so it's it's just interesting the progression. Everything was oral at first.
1: And it's interesting that Jesus made it very clear that he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it.
0: You're yeah, I mean, and that's absolutely correct. And even when it says my words will never pass away, no jot or tittle, you know, will ever be changed, but yet we still have in our minds this is jewish this is christian where we were all meant to be one and i right. think we kind of get away from that in in our pursuit of of religion we get away from the being one man
1: right. i just i just don't it just blows my mind how many, how many people who claim to be christians can be so anti-semitic i mean this is like it's like basically is like trash talking your your own ancestors. Mhm. You mean I use the term our Jewish stepfather's namely mainly because you know as Paul says through Christ the church is adopted into the family of God. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, so it's through Jesus we are grafted into the Jewish lineage. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, how can you sit here and attack your own family? Mm-hmm. But, and, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's a good point. Yeah. I think, and I'm not defending anti Semitism at all, but what I think happens is that it becomes a teaching that we don't even realize is anti-Semitic. Some of the teachings, some of the things we have learned are to automatically look down at them without even understanding we're looking down. But um, but we are just because of this is a way we've been taught, that we know more. But it's interesting because even in some of the Hebrew roots movements and whatnot, You have people changing the way you say Yeshua, say the name of God. Um, You've got a lot of different movements, even into polygamy, um, that start going so far the other way into things that God never condoned. Um, And and I heard a, a Jewish rabbi who's a friend, he goes... Unfortunately, you have all these Christians telling us Jews how we're supposed to say the these names of God and these name and Jesus name in Hebrew. It's like, you know, we've been taught this since we were children and it was, you know, one generation after another. But then, you know, sometimes we as Christians get a little bit of knowledge and then we suddenly think we're the experts because we're Christians. Um, so it can be it can be a slap in their face when we act that way. I think we need to respect the Jewishness of the scriptures for their sake in order to, and, and especially because Jesus was Jewish and he still remains Jewish. He will be Jewish when he returns. I say this all the time because I constantly want to remind people messianic kingdom is a Jewish kingdom. The Jerusalem is, is the Jewish heaven. It's our heaven. It's it's not just, well, I said Jewish heaven, but it's the Jewish, um, the capital of their country. But yet it's still considered heaven in Revelation. So it'll be all of our places to go. And we will go to the temple. We will go to Jerusalem in heaven, in the Messianic kingdom as well. So I think it's important to understand some of the books of the Bible that talk about that. I mean, all of the Bible, obviously, the Torah included, but also, how it all comes back to God's final intent in Revelation. What he wanted is to bring us back to Eden, and Jerusalem is going to be that paradise. So, right. I, um,
1: and see, that's one of the really, really Jewish aspects of heaven is, is paradise restored. Mm hmm. It's not going to be the original Eden, it's going to be a new Eden and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And what's going to make it better is there will be no more sin, there will be no more pain, there will be no no more suffering. Amen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, we will, just like the first item, we will walk with God. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, even when Jesus is on the cross... Mm-hmm. being crucified and the thief on the thief said, called him lord jesus went he he re-emphasized that jewish teaching he said today you will be with me in heaven now he said today you'll be with me in paradise which mm-hmm. is the jewish idea of heaven
0: and and garden of eden but it'll be new and proof like you said you will be it. I mean, not that there was anything wrong with it other than our sin in the first place, but it's restored. It's everything's restored. Everything is is upgraded in a sense. Maybe you can say, but but there's not just one tree of life. Now the tree of life, there will be multiple trees of life, according to um, Ezekiel. on either side of this river that comes out of the temple i mean it's it's a beautiful scene of what to expect and what we'll see one day
1: and you, you gotta remember before adam and eve sinned their work in the garden wasn't that laborsome right you know so you imagine heaven yes our job will be to praise and worship god god will have things for us to do but it will not be laborsome like Mm -hmm. the economy we live in now right for for
0: nothing but we will work but yeah i mean again a really good point because the way i i understand it is that they it wasn't the ground was willing to give to what the people wanted. So whatever Adam wanted, the ground gave it to him in a sense. Whatever he needed, the ground gave it to him. And so it was the ground that was cursed. The ground was forbidden to give him everything he wanted anymore. He had to work. And it, and even that word, he had to worry whether he was going to make plants enough food. Would they starve? And I think that's part of that kind of that curse is now we wonder... Will we make enough? Will we have enough to get us through the winter? How, will we have enough to feed our whole family? What if this happens? What if that happens? That's part of the fall. And that was never an issue in the Garden of Eden. They always knew they would have enough.
1: And what, what I re- I'm really excited about, you know, we, we there's a lot of debate right now going on about the climate crisis. Some say it's fake. Some say it's not. It. it It's real. And there's no denying that the earth is changing. There's no denying that the earth is getting hot. Now my issue is why, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you go back to the Jewish teachings like Malachi and Isaiah, they all talk about the earth burning up, you know, and in the Jewish culture, they understood the refining process where fire is used to purify and cleanse anything that is isn't pure
0: right you
1: know and then you get into the New Testament Peter John they all talk about the earth being burned up this earth and the heavens being burnt up and passing away
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so this is ordained by God in the Old Testament and the New Testament it's not because of our stupid <laughs> it's not because of man's stupidity Right you know but it's a very jewish
0: teaching idea mhm yeah, yeah that's a good point too and i i heard a geologist say and he was a christian man but he said um the earth was meant to be warm and it was it's turning back to because if you think about again the garden of eden they 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 were naked and they were unashamed so so there's that 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 there were god didn't make clothing originally for them to wear it was a they were clothed in the glory of god in a sense and it was like a supernatural thing there was no embarrassment or shame involved there but when they lost that glory of god due to their sin now there was a sudden realization that they weren't clothed but but if we were meant to be like that with wearing only the glory of God, then it had to be a warm climate.
1: And you talk about the glory of God in the garden. What does the Bible, what does the New Testament tell us about the new heaven for and what it's going to be like for believers? We're all going to be like We're going to have what type of bodies?
0: Glorified, Glorified bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we go back to that glorification. We're going
1: back to to a fundamental Jewish. I know a lot of times we think of Genesis as the first book in the Christian Bible. This is the first book in the Torah. Mm-hmm. This so it's a very Genesis is a very Jewish book,
0: right? And to truly understand the rest of the Bible, including Revelation, you have to understand the first ten or eleven chapters because everything was. Everything started out beautifully and perfect and went downhill. And then at that point, it starts going to restoration. Like you mentioned, it starts going to, um, a redeemed and restored people, place, you know, and, and time, um, everything becomes restored in a certain order, in a certain way that God ordained for it to be restored. And, and of course, Jesus is going to finish that work and he is finishing that work and So, um, of course, he finished it on the cross. We understand that. But then there's this still this, we are still being redeemed and restored. It's just all not realized.
1: And Jesus Jesus said himself, you know, he's like, in my father's house, there are many, many rooms. And the thing is, that is a very Jewish concept. Exactly. Like, if you know, in the Jewish household... When a young couple would come betrothed, the guy would start building a room or a place for them to live. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't come for his bride until the place for them to live so was completed. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about mansions in the heavens. You know, that's kind of a um, 21st century romanticized or fantasized version of, of the idea. Basically God's making, adding more places for us in this right. new heaven.
0: You're absolutely right. Yeah. But there's no mansions. We don't get our own little mansion or our own God. big mansion. We get a room that is attached to our father's house.
1: You know, and, and for me as a, as a single man, I really cling to this because in Judaism, you know, until that room is ready the bridegroom cannot come for his bride Mm -hmm. and often the bridegroom would not know when the place would be ready
0: exactly
1: and Jesus tells us in the New Testament he does not know the time or the hour when he will return Mm -hmm. but as a man I can tell you this as a man when I know It's the right time when I know it's the right person. There's not a person on this planet who's going to keep me coming for my bride.
0: Right. That's right.
1: Doesn't that sound like the return of Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, in the twinkling of an eye, boom. Mm -hmm. And you even
0: think of it in the sense that your home has to be just right. My home has to be just right. Home, my, if you want to say room, Um, those additions and every new person who comes into the kingdom, they're preparing that space for them. You know, they're preparing that room onto his father's house. Um, That's, that's time consuming, you know, and plus it says, I mean, he's, he's patient. He, he waits because he wants all to come to repentance. So if, If he just came back now, think of all the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of people that would miss out on knowing who he is if he returned. Imagine
1: if he would have returned when the disciples in the first century church wanted and expected him to come back. I mean, they they thought he was like coming back like then. Yeah. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years of souls and believers that would never have been grafted into the family of god
0: Mm-hmm. exactly you know and i mean i grew up in a family that they were all believers one generation after the other and aunts uncles cousins every generation thinks it's going to be their generation but if it had been then maybe those the grandchildren of that generation would have never seen god you know would have never had the opportunity um, if I want it to be my generation, then maybe my grandchildren that aren't born yet <laughs> would never know, never be born, but also never know God, never know Jesus. So I don't know. I think there's, um, I think we should be thankful that he has held out as long as he has, right. even though, um, as the world gets worse, people get more, become more evil.
1: And see my, my view And yeah, I don't know if you're going to disagree with this or not. I'm I'm not concerned about how evil the world's getting. The world's always been evil.
0: Yes. And I was. As
1: as a single guy, my focus is on the bride. If the bride's not ready. Yeah. I can know who she is, but if she's not ready,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to have to wait. Mm
0: Mm-hmm
1: yeah the bride if the bride the church is not ready the bridegroom's not going to come for her Mm -hmm. you know i think i think i think instead of throwing stones and looking for specks in the eyes of the world we need to start looking at ourselves Mm -hmm. you know we've seen over the last five ten years a lot of ugliness amongst god's people in the church in conservative politics i mean we said we're saying it playing out right now over the weekend yep all in un, in the name of god i mm-hmm.
0: mean lots of people do lots of things in the name of god and, and i mean and i remember the lord i being frustrated with something somebody something that someone had said and and um, I remember just praying and praying about it and like, Lord, I don't really get this. I don't really understand. And, and the Lord just speaking and saying, you know, to my heart, just the thought that came into my mind right away as I was praying was don't believe everything everyone says about me, because not everything is true that people say, all Right. and we need to, the only, all we can really rely on is God's word and his Holy spirit of course, the Godhead to, to teach us and to they're the ones who are the absolute truth. Four things are listed as truth in the Bible. That's his word. That's the son, the Holy spirit and God himself. Those are the only four things that are ever equal to truth.
1: It's it's interesting that in Jesus three years of ministry, he really, really tried to emphasize to his followers to be leery of and watchful of false teachers and false prophets in the church. Mm -hmm. And he talks about in the last days, how bad God's people, he says in the last day, you know, there will be ravenous wolves Mm -hmm. in the church amongst God's people and they would devour. I mean, yes, we're seeing a lot of ravenous wolves come out in conservative churches right now. I mean, there's denominations talking, you know, attacking denominations. There's denominations flat out believing heresy, walking away from Christian truth. You know, there's brothers. Attacking. I mean, I've experienced it in my in the small community that I live in with people who I thought were strong Christians, basically accepting and believing heresy. And then attacking me over my disability because I stood up to it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus 2000 years ago said that was going to happen. Right. In the church. He wasn't talking about the world. He was talking about the church.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. And that's a lot of people don't realize that what he's talking about is not the world. He's talking about the people of God, the people who call themselves followers of Yeshua followers of Jesus Um and, and, and I don't even, I even think that when he talks about the narrow path versus the wide path, he's still referring to his followers.
1: Mm-hmm. Is. There will
0: be a path that all believers are going to be comfortable taking, but there's going to be this very narrow path that only the serious are going to take. Only those who want to be just like Jesus, who want to die for him. This is the narrow path. And we see this wide path it's not the world the wide path is not the world it's within the heart of believers and in the in within what we might call the church or the congregations of the world um it's within that it's in within that community
1: well you have to think jesus was dealing with this at the time with with the pharisees and and the and a lot of the jewish people then then you have the apostle Paul come out and he, you know, the apostle Paul, a former Pharisee. know, when he talks about the last days to his, to his mentee, his protege, Timothy, mm-hmm. he talks about in the last days, he says people will not put up with sound teaching. Now we know the lost in the world. They don't listen to Christian teachings. They don't. So who was Paul talking about the church? He was saying in the last days, The church will not put up with sound teachings. The church will pursue what makes their ears feel good. Mm -hmm. So he's, again, I keep on going back and saying, we cannot look at the world. We need to look at the bride. We need to look Mm -hmm. at ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And one last point, because we're running out of time here, but you made a point about it saying every you know, we're we're all evil. And I read um a book and they addressed the fact that why do bad things happen to Christians or to good people, you might say. And it's because there are no good people. It's because we are evil. And and you could sit there and say, no, I'm not evil, but how many red lights have you run or stop signs have you run, which could cause an accident and cause somebody else to be hurt?
1: But not even that. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? If you have lusted in your mm-hmm. heart, if you had murdered in right. your heart, exactly. you're guilty. Because our heart's mm-hmm. evil, and that is a very Jewish teaching that the heart of man is right. evil.
0: Right. But it, it's interesting because we just we don't think of ourselves as evil, but we don't understand that every time we sin, we're losing covenant with God. We're got, we're stepping out of covenant and and i think that it was a conversation with you that i had previously but where where we talked about the curses and the blessings of the covenant those curses don't apply to us in jesus because he took on all the curses of the law so it's right. the blessings that are left for us we're no longer condemned by the law because jesus is of the priesthood that is non-condemning is there's no condemnation through him. So there, so we've lost all the condemnation through Jesus. We've, he's taken on the curses of the law. So, so nothing's left for us, but blessings, as long as we stay within the covenant, as long as we stay on the narrow path or choose the narrow path instead of the wide path, as long as we, follow him and seek to be righteous. Like you, you talked about seek to follow the way his way, not ours.
1: And I think the, the, a lot of time what happens is when we know that the curses and the consequences are taken away because of Jesus, we can sometimes become prideful. You know, I know I have, and we see it a lot in the church. Oh, it's that holier than thou I, I attitude. well, I'm blessed and highly favored. I mean, Jesus isn't a, a light. He doesn't give us a license to continue. And he gives us the power to break free from sin. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's, you know, and it goes back to like the passage in Hosea. What, what, what is required of you to walk humbly with the Lord thy God? Yes. I don't see a lot of walking humbly going on right now in conservative politics. I don't see a lot of walking going on in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are times, I, I have to admit, there are times I become puffed up and pietful, and I have to say, and God convicts me, and I thank God for convicting me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul says that's one of the signs of believers, believer, the Holy Spirit convicting us. Now, there are some who teach you that that's the devil convicting you. Mm-hmm. That's part of the the Holy Spirit. That's part of God. That's my father
0: correcting right? And discipline is not a bad thing. Discipline in this life means you will not have to suffer punishment in the next. Right. But thank you for being on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I've enjoyed our conversation. Please check out Walk Humbly on um, pathos.com. And um, I'll leave links to his articles and um, his column. So, Martin Johnson, thank you very much. I appreciate your time here today.
1: Thanks for having me. And I would end by saying shalom, but I feel like it'd be a little cliche. Yeah,
0: but it's fine. I'll
1: just say, welcome, we would go. Yep,
0: it's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find me at graftedjewishroots.com. Please check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews, on my website. And I also have a Facebook page under the same name. Join me every Wednesday for a new episode of Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Thank you for listening.